Exit 52 podcast, the only Baltimore podcast that sparked an entire Twitter discussion about an Olivia Rodrigo song. We'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point during the episode. But there is a lot more to get to before we are presented by Jimmy Seafood. I'm here with RDT, Banks, and our guy, Marty Suma, has returned to the show. Marty, thanks for coming back on. We've got a lot to talk about, as I said. There is Ravens news. There is Orioles news. I was just saying to you guys before, I think this is the most balanced Baltimore sports news week in a long time with Orioles Twitter ablaze, Ravens Twitter ablaze. But we have to start with friend of the show, friend of the pod. Our first really big guest, Morgan Cox, gone from the Ravens after 11 years. Not a lot of sports podcasts, I think, would start with talk about a long snapper. But we've got to give our guy his due. An incredible run with the Ravens, the Wolfpack, Justin Tucker, Sam Cook, Morgan Cox, uh, now separated and, and really became a fan favorite group uh, throughout their time with the Ravens. Banks, you have a, a, a personal relationship with Morgan Cox that helped us get him on the show. And, and you guys have been friendly for a little bit. What, what do you have to just, just give a little tribute uh, to your guy as he, uh, as he departs the franchise after good service, a, a really, a truly great Raven. Uh, mom and dad are breaking up. And we're not getting two Christmases. It stinks. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he's been a part of the trio since, you know, 2010. Um, when Justin Tucker showed up in 2012, the Wolfpack was formed. They've been a dominant force ever since. And, um, you know, usually you're not used to seeing long snappers' names. or And that's really what they want. They don't want to know it. They don't want anybody hearing their name or knowing anything about them. And Morgan Cox has that, that low-key, down-to-earth personality where he's not really putting himself out there. But... Um, just kind of the brash and out there um, attitude that Justin Tucker has and the selfless nature that him and Sam Cook both have where they they talk about everything that they do together as a unit. They say, we missed a kick or, or, or we had a great game out there and all that stuff. They're always so sure to make sure that Morgan Cox got his proper due because there's a ton, there's a ton that goes into the snap, hold, and kick. It's all about timing. And um, you need that type of consistency over and over and over if you want to put up NFL best of all time numbers like Justin Tucker has. Um, so he, he's been a part of the organization for as long as almost anybody. I, I tweeted out a list of players that he played more games in than you know, notable names like Joe Flacco, Ed Reed, um, just some really big time names that didn't play as many games as Morgan Cox did. And it's, um, I don't really get it per se. I mean, he was just the all pro this season. And I mean, I, who's to say how, um, I don't know how, how that, that whole thing is decided and who, who really was that much better as a long snapper than the other, but, but there isn't one time really that you can, you can look at a snap by Morgan Cox and say that, Hey, this was on Morgan Cox It's just, that's the entire job. He's done his job so well for the last 11 years. And he made the pro bowl four to six years. And he's the first all pro since they put long snappers onto the all pro list. He's the first one ever. So by my, by my account, he's the greatest long snapper of all time. Um, also, by the way, you won't find a, a, I don't think you'll find a center who has uh, snapped a ball and had a perfect passer completion with as many completions as Morgan Cox snapping to Sam cook, who is seven for seven in his career throwing just a little, you know, something to think about, um, you know, is he the best center of all time as well? I don't know. 
who's to say? Who's to say? I don't know. So um, it's a shame to see him go. I don't really agree with the organization's stance on this whole thing. I'm sure Nick Moore will be very good at his job. I'm sure Sam Cook and Justin Tucker will embrace him with open arms. He's been on the team this year already. He snapped the one game in Pittsburgh um, for that COVID game. Um, so it's not like he's a new face or not just, you know, tossing Morgan aside for a complete unknown. But at the same time, I think there are circumstances where you just don't try to fix something that's not broken. And um, this is an example where, okay, maybe you save a few hundred thousand a year because, you know, there's veteran minimums and all those things that go into the salary cap, which is a a bigger conversation that we might have here in this podcast. But um, it just doesn't seem like one that's worth it. And it's not one that's worth making, um, you know, rocking the boat with the fan base and everything, because I don't think there's a fan base that would, would be up in arms the way that, that we are about Morgan Cox um, being kind of tossed aside here. So I feel sick about it. Yeah, it seems like they just want to go in a younger direction with the position. Moore's 28, Cox is 34. Um, Cox makes 1.1 million. Moore makes, uh, what does it say, 660,000 next year. So it's a very minimal cost-saving move but a cost saving move. And, and I think a tough decision. I, it sounds like one that was at least in the, in the organization um, not taken lightly in terms of the praise that was given uh, to Cox by, you know, John Harbaugh by Eric DaCosta and the professionals and that he brought to the room. You saw Justin Tucker, you know, put something out about it as well. Even the Raven social media honored Cox in a way that I don't think you'd see many long snappers honored, you know, with a graphic and things like that. So um, a nice, a nice one there. As you said, Cox still plans to play. He said, um, we talked to Jeff Cerebeck said he's, he's still planning to play. And obviously he's a long snapper. He can play for a decently long time. If he can stay healthy, it's not as if you're, you're out there taking a ton of hits. So I'm sure we'll see him in an opposing uniform, which will be kind of interesting. I think, uh, I think Tennessee needs a, uh, a long snapper. And did I make up that he has a house there? Didn't he say that? But he's a house in Nashville. Is he from he, there? He has a house in Tennessee. That's where he's originally from. He went to University of Tennessee. It makes a lot he of sounds sense. Like deal, sounds like a deal. Sounds like a deal you need to broker. He, yeah, the he, he would probably be thrilled to go there. And um, he deserves to go anywhere he wants. That's, I mean, any team would be lucky to have him. Um, he's got a lot of years left in him, I'm sure. Um, it's a tough business. And, and I think he's having a... Um, a tough time just kind of like, you know, reconciling just what is kind of, I don't know how foreseen this was. And so um, I feel for him and I thank him for all the years in, in Baltimore for sure. And I think I know I speak for everybody when I say that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and appreciate the time he gave us on this podcast, no doubt. Uh, which was awesome. And make sure to go back to listen to that interview. If you haven't early in the season, some great stories about the Super Bowl, him getting into snapping, um, really, really took us through a, a nice look at what he does and in, in a position that just does not get a lot of talk. And I, I, it was nice to see the outpouring of support for him from the fan base. I'm sure that made him feel very good. Uh, it was the, you know, the headline, I think for us with his relationship with this podcast at, at Eric DaCosta's, you know, press conference and the moves the Ravens have made, but there was a lot of stuff to unpack there. Uh, talk about a Lamar Jackson extension uh, was was a big talking point. Sounds like the Ravens are really focused on extending uh, some of the players that are already in the building uh, rather than maybe going out and getting free agents. Talked about, you know, Mark Andrews and, and Orlando Brown Jr., Deshaun Elliott, guys like that. You know, Andrews was specifically mentioned in the press conference. 
Um, so that maybe shows you where the Ravens offseason priorities are, maybe not delving too much into the free agency pool and mainly trying to secure their core group of players. I'm interested from you guys, just your overall takeaways on what he said as we head into free agency. I think there's an expectation from a lot of Ravens fans. We talked about it last week about maybe going out and getting a number one receiver or getting a really effective pass rusher. It doesn't necessarily sound, we mentioned this, that's not really what the Ravens do. And it sounds like Eric DaCosta is sticking to their philosophy in terms of how they handle their finances, which is trusting their evaluations on guys that are in the building and extending those guys. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because everybody gets real riled up about the number one receiver thing. And then DaCosta comes in, basically throws water on the entire idea because their priorities, they got to handle first. And the biggest thing that's that's a, you know an unknown here is that the salary cap is supposed to be lower than what was expected due to you know revenues lost through COVID and everything and that cap cap numbers um, it's it's unknown it's we don't know what it's going to be yet and so in terms of um, you know making assumptions as to what the Ravens are looking to operate off of they're pretty unsure. And I think that when you have those types of situations, you want to lock in as many constants as you possibly can. And the most important constants are, you know, signing your franchise quarterback to a long-term deal and getting that set in stone and, and working the rest of the pieces around that, both, both him on a, from a personnel and a football standpoint and from a salary cap standpoint. So, um, Eric DaCosta said that he's going to be in touch with Lamar's team and, and maybe get some extension talks, at least get the ball rolling a little bit. Who's to say that it could, it could happen quick or it could happen over the course of a year or two years. Like you, you just don't know, but um, it's, it's come to the time after year three that Lamar's eligible for an extension. He's won a freaking MVP already. He, you know, regressed to a degree in, in year three and face some adversity and all those things, but he's somebody that you want to keep, keep long-term, especially with the way you've built the personnel and the, and the run game and all those things around him. Um, it's time to lock him up and, and set that up for long-term. Do you think they try and get him before or after Dak? Cause that's going to, Oh, that's a tricky one. I mean, there's, there's so it's, much quarterback unknown across the league. And there's like the salary cap crunch is happening for everybody. Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to be looking at what numbers can they potentially, um, I don't know, extend or, or adjust or, or rework. And then, I mean, most of these quarterbacks, the big name quarterbacks are going to be available by trade, but um, you got to think that extensions will kind of be built into those trades in some degree. And um, I don't know, there's, there's just a lot of potential, factors that could go into whatever number that might be and so that's a great point um Dak's coming off the injury but you know the whole narrative and everybody was drilling at home when he got hurt was like you make sure you pay him you know and the Cowboys said we're gonna pay him and all that stuff so we'll see where everybody's I don't know money where their mouth is or whatever we'll see yeah they're gonna I think it's one of those things where they're gonna pay him until they're gonna pay him like they've actually got to make a decision now based on him coming off the injury what they want to do. I think they were probably on the, it's what I think was the most heartbreaking thing about his injury was they were probably on the verge of paying him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he, he kind of lost that deal. If you look at, if you look at the, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, you have Josh Allen and, and Lamar out of that and Baker at coming out of that draft. 
um, and what kind of numbers those guys are going to get. Obviously, Buffalo is going to lock up Josh Allen. Cleveland, you would think, is going to lock up Baker, and the Ravens are going to lock up Lamar. The top echelon of quarterback contract is is the 10-year, $450 million <laughs> contract that Patrick Mahomes have has with the adjusted annual value of $45 million. Deshaun Watson, who is probably going to get traded, which is just – incredible that's a i mean that's a whole podcast you could do down in houston about how they have totally bundled bungled having us bundled bungled having a star a, a star quarterback he's making 39 matt ryan's making 30 russell wilson's making 35 jimmy garoppolo is making 27 million dollars a year jared goff is making 33.5 and Ooh, carson nice. Wentz is making 32 nice. so you would think uh lamar is gonna be that Russell Wilson, $35 million type of range feels like where Lamar is going to settle in. And I think the reason Eric DaCosta wants to get that done potentially quickly is that then determines how he's going to build the rest of his team. Once you lock up one of these marquee quarterbacks to the big, big contract, that changes how you build. We saw that with Joe Flacco. That changes how you build the rest of your roster because of how big that number is. So the Ravens have to figure out where they stand value-wise with Lamar and then can work around the Orlando Browns and the Deshaun Elliott's and the Mark Andrews and all these other guys that are going to, you know, come up soon and, yeah. and, and command big salaries on the open market potentially with how they played. I mean, I think Orlando Brown is going to be a guy that's going to get paid a lot of money and we'll see if the Ravens can figure out a way to finagle him to maybe sign a little early before he continues to show. He just showed he could play left tackle at a high level for, you know, half a season. So yeah, um, that's a guy that's going to end up commanding pretty big money on the open market. Can the Ravens lock up two potentially pro bowl tackles? Maybe, but they've got to figure out what they're doing at quarterback first money wise. Yeah. I think that we've kind of circled around it a couple of times now, but once you, you, the last thing you want to do is, is, is get into negotiations with Judon or Ngakwe and not be sure what you want to do with that. And I mean, you can't be sure of what you're going to do in terms of signing one of them or both of them or none of them until you know what your long-term plan is and what your long-term structuring is. And that's where Lamar Jackson comes into play. And I'm sure that they'll go to the table just kind of saying like, Hey, let's get something done here now, because from there we can build around a team, you know, a team around you and, and lock in the guys that we want to and, um, and, do what we do what we need to do to give you that that number one wide receiver if that opportunity arises or give you that or, or maintain that defense that will be on the other side of the ball that gets us to a championship level it's all these things are are, are intertwined and um i'm you know who lamar jackson's earned every right to ask for a big number and um you know i he'll probably get one and i don't think it's going to be 10 year 450 million dollars not at all but i think we're going to see something in in the mid 30s maybe and it's you know it'll be interesting to see how that that kind of sets up the puzzle for the rest of the pieces to to slot in and he's obviously got so much of the leverage because finding franchise quarterbacks is the the holy grail of building an nfl franchise and when you win an mvp in year two and lead your team to two division titles and you know lead your team to three playoff appearances and you, you, you have the leverage at that point and Lamar deserves that. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see how Eric DeCosta approached that. The, the comments made about Judon and the, and Ngaku and the edge rushers didn't make it sound like DeCosta was all that keen on bringing either of those guys back for big salaries. 
So the Ravens pass rushing situation is going to be very interesting. That could be something they address in the draft early in the draft. Um, he also talked about the offensive line and really making sure that's, you know, that's shorn up because that's what the Ravens need to, to execute the scheme. I mean, that, that offensive line has to be consistent. It was not consistent this year. Um, so that that's maybe the position that they're going to look to, to improve early in the draft and in free agency. Um, but definitely an, an interesting, both Harbaugh and DeCasas press conferences over the past seven days have, have been pretty interesting in, in what those guys said about the team building. If you're holding your breath for them to go out and sign a number one receiver, uh, you might not want to hold your breath. Yeah. You, you, you're, I just, nothing indicated nothing. And as you said, that's the Ravens fans obsession, but the water was thrown very much on that idea. I'm very, I'm, I'm right there with everybody. Like I would love to get one of these guys, but you got to understand where your priorities are. You got to understand what philosophies have gotten us to where we are, where we're basically perennial contenders for 20, 20 plus years now. You know, you just, you don't throw money at free agent wide receivers. You just don't. So um, hopefully we draft one and then one pans out for us in a way that, you know, for once, but I expect that we're going to attack the offensive line in the first two rounds here and uh, build that offensive line that way. And um, who knows what happens with those defensive guys. It's, it's a great point. Maybe it was a bit of a leverage tactic to come out and just kind of not sound too enthused about uh, Ngakwe and Judon, but you got to remember that in terms of their asking price and, and, you know, there was that report that floated out there about Judon seeking $20 million a year that, you know, Judon himself on Instagram threw water on, but um, I was pretty taken back by that number. But uh, I started to think about it. Of course, like when you get to, into a long-term deal, that's a lot of money, but he just played uh, under a $16.8 million contract for one year with a franchise tag. So for a team, or at least for us to sign him to maybe a number in that neighborhood wouldn't necessarily be the craziest and most crippling thing for us to do. But you know, I don't think that anyone's gaga over what Judon has done here. He's done some great things, like some some very good things, and we'd like to keep him, but um, you got to keep the some dollars and cents here. So, yeah, especially when you're potentially going to pay your quarterback in the mid 30s. That's that's the money gets cut in different ways. Uh, I think the Eric DeCosta just headed to the Senior Bowl, so it's wild. The draft process has already started. You're already seeing oh, yeah. the. I'm already seeing Jake Funk running drills uh, down at the Shrine Bowl for uh, for his draft status. So that stuff is just that stuff is is off and running uh, as we head towards the NFL draft, which is always a fun time for the Ravens fans. Um, and and you can find receivers, you can find productive guy receivers. The Ravens just have never done it in the middle of the draft. I mean, you really, really can. Maybe Devin Duvernay will end up being that guy, but th- those guys are out there. Ravens just got got to go find them on the Baltimore Orioles front. What a bizarre week. I mean, uh, really the most juiced Orioles Twitter has been about a variety of topics. And then <laughs> they signed Freddie Galvis today uh, just to kind of add another thing right before we recorded uh, to a one-year deal. I'm going to start with the Masson situation. So everyone was up in arms about Masson. Um, Richard Rowley kind of broke the, the first story about Masson. Um, making a variety of cuts they're they're cutting the the pre and post game shows in the studio um, to potentially 15 minute increments around the games involving the broadcast talent so 
for reference instead of Tom Davis and Rick Dempsey hosting pre and post from, you know, what was that studio like Hunt Valley or, or at the stadium, wherever they do their, their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have, you know, Jeff Arnold and, and Jim Palmer host it from the stadium. Or if you're a nationals fan, you know, you, you have FP and, and those guys, but the, the real thing was Gary Thorne gone, Jim Hunter gone, Rick Dempsey gone, Tom Davis gone. Who am I forgetting? I should have put them all in front of me here. Bordick, uh, Brian Bordick, Roberts, Brian Roberts. Um, 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 do you say Tom Davis and Tom? Da- I think mm-hmm. I, we got them yeah. all there. So that's a variety of names from that. Every Orioles fan has seen over the years from uh, analyst talent to play by play talent. In the case of Thornton Hunter did this to, to studio host in the, camp, the case of Tom Davis. Obviously this has brought a variety of different reactions to the Orioles, to, to Orioles fans. Um, a lot of sympathy for Gary Thorne, who never really got a true send off to his time with the Orioles, a lot of hand wringing about how cheap Masson is and how cheap maybe that makes the Orioles um in different ways um there's an obviously another side to that which is regional rsns are getting killed right now by a lack of games especially ones that really relied on baseball considering they played 60 of 162 games for mass and that's two teams that didn't get to play that is a ton of money lost in advertising in a variety of different things there's a lot of places to start rdt i will let you just pontificate about whatever your top line thought is about the mass situation I mean, it does, it does suck. Like, like there was nothing like turning on a game in, in 2014 or 2016 and you got Palmer and you got Thorne and Gary had the whiskey laugh going and, and, and his home run calls were great. And I do, I, I love Gary Thorne. I, th- I thought he was very good. I do think the last couple of years he, and I know he's 72 and it's not easy to stay sharp that long, but I mean, he would get players' names wrong. He was calling home runs that bounced on the warning track. Like it's, and again, it's it, like like you said, it sucks. And and I think he had a piece with I think John Mioli. I think he did an interview with John Mioli from the Sun where he said that he does wish that he got that goodbye and that final send off. And and I mean, the last words were in 2019 when we saw him. They they ended that season in Fenway, and he said, you know, things are going to get better and. We're, we're, we're going to look back at these, these years and kind of laugh at them because, because of how bad they were. And that's, I mean, those are going to be his last words to Orioles fans on Masson. Um, and it, yeah, it does suck. And again, I, I got my nationals friends who are calling like, Oh, this is all Angelos's fault and this and that. And, and it's, it's, it's definitely a weird situation. Like you said, I haven't seen people this fired up about the Orioles since Buck left the Baldo in. Um, <laughs> people were just up in arms on Saturday when it was announced. And I, and it does suck, you know, the out with the old, in with the new. I think Jeff Arnold is very good. Kevin Brown is awesome. Kevin Brown is yeah, fantastic. Melanie Newman is is a, a rising star. I think she's really good, too. We still got Jim Palmer. And, again, a lot of the times, too, I'm doing different stuff during the game. So, I don't have the game on full blast. I, don't, I haven't listened to a full Orioles game probably since 2016 when they were in the playoffs in that, in that, that wild card game. I'm just – I have too many things going on. I'll have music on or I'll have something on the computer or I'll have another TV on. And that's the thing. People are like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a fan anymore. It's like, then you're probably not that big a fan in the first place. Yeah. Like I understand if you're upset about it, but like, like Marty, the Red Sox went through something very similar the last what three or four years with Orsillo. They're, they're almost, it's, it's kind of like a, it's, it's almost the same exact situation. 
Yeah, and having to hear him do playoff games and hear him in San Diego, it's, I mean, he was a loyal guy in that organization and they did him dirty. And I mean, to to say you're going to give up your fandom over, that's a little crazy and probably just heated in the moment. But mm-hmm. you you understand it's they, they become part of your everyday sports routine family. Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, we and it's funny because, again, the, the people our age, like we 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 grew up, I think Gary started in 2007. So it's like I when I was in college and, and high school, I was listening to Gary Thorne when I was, you know, it, it's when you're just kind of really getting into the game. But like th- this happened to I mean, people older than us, John Miller. John Miller is a, a very famous case where he was a, a yep. nationally beloved announcer in the Orioles. Again, there was a dispute and he walked and he went to. I think he was doing Sunday night baseball with Joe Morgan. And um, they, I think he did giants games too. Yep. And again, it's like, you, you know what? You lose a John, John Miller, you get a Gary Thorne. You lose a Gary Thorne, you get a Kevin Brown, you get a Jeff Arnold and people like that. Like it's, and again, I told someone, I don't give a shit if they have a me and a cockatoo up in the booth. If the team is winning, it doesn't matter. Like it's, and they were saying, that's when they were like, well, Mastin is so cheap. And I said, well, Masson is not worried about paying people to hold a microphone. Like they're like, and again, they went, they, somehow they brought Mike Elias into this. Like Elias is cheap. And it's like, well, that's not his call. Number one, <sighs> but it's like Masson's like their job. Like the product on the field is, is the number one thing. That's a hundred percent. The number one thing. And obviously there's some news came out with that too, where they were kind of being cheap with that, but you'll get to that. Yeah. The yeah. stuff with the announcers, like, that's what I was saying. If it, I get, people being upset about it i really do but like at the end of the day it it doesn't affect the the team going forward the day-to-day operations the the success of the team which again it's it's a nice luxury to have when you have nice announcers because again you could be the nationals who win a world series and have arguably two of the worst people in the booth in in fp and bob carpenter which i personally don't enjoy i know people did some rankings a couple years ago and they weren't that high up there but um things could be worse again it, it was a very strange thing for to see people like jumping off the bandwagon yeah i think there i think the other thing is masson came out with their own sort of announcement of the broadcast teams they committed that they were gonna do 30 minute pre and post so maybe there's some conflict with the original reporting or they changed what they were gonna do over the course of the backlash and that we'll see i mean we don't even we don't know what it's gonna look like it doesn't sound like you're gonna do many spring training games i think what has to be put into context here is two things and i think both of these things can exist maston clearly has been a cash cow to a certain extent but at this point is really struggling i mean when you when you can't put your main tenant on you know telecast on your network you can't sell ads and you can't get the revenue that you need from these broadcasts. We don't have to go into the depths and I, I don't know enough about Masson to, to speculate totally. Um, on the other side, this just plays into a long narrative and, and to a certain extent, the club's fault um, that they're perceived as cheap and that the Angelos family is perceived as cheap, that that is Masson is an extension of the Orioles and they are now considered cheap. Those are two organizations making two separate decisions. But when you have the, the, you know, the Mancini, arbitration situation with money potentially being deferred in a one-year contract and those things come out at the same time essentially mm-hmm. um the entire organization just looks bad i mean it was just a pr nightmare over the course of 72 hours or whatever all of that news broke i think in terms like you said rdt in terms of the individual decisions on the personnel broadcasting wise look i liked gary thorne a lot and 
it would have been nice for him to get a send off. And like you said, I understand the frustration. It, it is what it is. It sucks. It, they went with younger, you know, more inexpensive talent. Mm-hmm. And I think that those people have talent. Now, the argument against that is Scott Garceau has essentially been named the number one play-by-play announcer on the, on the, the TV side. I'm not a huge fan of that. I like Scott Garceau as a radio host. I'm not a, like a giant fan of him in the play-by-play booth. Um, I would have liked to have seen Kevin Brown be the main voice. You bring a little bit of a different angle, but Scott's a respected voice in the area. So that gives you some of that enhanced credibility. I just don't think that's where his main talent lies at this point of his career. And on the radio side, I, I don't think Jim Hunter's good. Like, sorry to Jim Hunter been around for a long, long time. I've never thought he was good. I never thought he was good on the radio. I never thought he was good on Masson. So to replace him, I think is an upgrade. And I think if you're upset about that, I, to me, you just don't really know what you're watching, but um, I like they've given different voices a chance on that one. I, I was never a fan of him, but I Gary Thorne, I feel bad. I feel bad for him. I feel bad uh, yeah, for him. I feel bad for Thorne. Um, same thing with, with, with uh, Jim Hunter. I was never a Hunter fan. I get working on the network for the team. I know he was an Angelos puppet kind of. He was, you know, a favorite of the Angeloses. I will say that. And it's like, dude, like every call, I, I, I didn't like how he called games. I didn't like the, and again, I know that he's on the Orioles network, but it's like, he was just the biggest, biggest, biggest Homer. Um, I, I never, he drank way too much of the orange Kool-Aid. I was just never, never a fan of his. So it sucks. Anyone losing a job. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I hate seeing people lose jobs, but I'm again, I'm not losing sleep over Jim Hunter, not calling Orioles games on the radio or on uh, TV anymore. I'll stick up for Jim Hunter a little bit. I thought he was fine. I didn't have any problem with him for like 20 years. To a degree, it's it's you kind of grow up with a guy and he's just around and you don't really hear many other voices. I mean, there are plenty of voices that that did a lot of games, but he was one of the mainstays. And to a degree, you, you just kind of associate him with the Orioles. So seeing him go is a little bit strange, but it is what it is. I'm I'm kind of with you where like, you know, I, I I'm not I am sticking up for the guy a little bit right now relative to what you guys are saying, but. Um, yeah, these new guys are going to come in. And I watched Kevin Brown do some games, uh, some uh, KBO games during early on in COVID mm-hmm. um, at like 5.30, 6 a.m. in the morning. And he, he did a great job with that. And in situations where he's, um, you know, 12 hours time difference and, and calling games remotely. Um, and he, he built a great rapport with uh, some of the guys there on ESPN. So um, I've got high hopes for Kevin Brown for sure. The thing with the mass and that's concerning is, I mean, the overarching everybody sees that financially they're in a bad place and the, the Orioles are owning, they have the majority ownership in a network that showed the game of, of a team that won the world series like 18 months ago, less than 18 months ago for them to, to not have the cash flow to maintain these types of things. Like you can make a case that, yeah, they're, they're going younger with the announcers. And this was something that was going to happen at some point or another. I mean, we've seen it with um, NBC sports, Washington with, with Buck Hans and Chenier and all those things. Yeah. The capital you could, you could make a case that it's not really related to money or whatever, but the really concerning thing for me is, is to see the, the deferral offers that they tried to make to Santander and to Mancini. Um, I'm, you know, I, I've worked in finance in my career, including for a sport organization and one that's had some significant cash crunches in my career. And um, 
I don't envy the people that have to pick up the phone and make these weird offers or, or um, talk to vendors or employees and ask them to make some sacrifices. Um, it's not an enviable position, but when you start going to employees, when you start going to your personnel, you're the people that are on your team, you know, it's one thing to talk to vendors and ask for new terms and ask for, Hey, can I pay this later? Or can we work something out? Whatever. That, that's one thing. When you start going to your own, you know, people in your own family and asking them to, to, to make sacrifices because the cash hasn't been, you know, the, the cash flow is tight or whatever it might be. That's a bad look for everybody. It's a tough situation and it's concerning for sure. Um, and I'm not really sure how we got to this place. The conversation about Masson is an interesting one because they show nothing but baseball games. And given the amount of cash flow that should be going into something like that with how advantageous the, the deal, despite the, the, the lawsuits and the court cases and all that stuff, the amount of cash that should be going into a regional sports network that, that covered two sports teams, cash flow should not be an issue whatsoever. And I think we talked about this on our, our group chat on text, like when you have that type of cash flow, you should be leveraging that and, and making your network more established in the area and showing more than just Orioles and Nationals games. I mean, I don't know what that means. Maybe that means showing some Towson sports or, or whatever, but there was a real opportunity for, for Masson to establish themselves um, much in the way that Comcast Sportsnet has further, you know, before they were HTS and they showed Orioles games and they showed Caps games, they showed Bullets and Wizards games. You know, that network became quite literally NBC Sports Washington. Masson should have been, you know, Masson Baltimore. It should have been a Baltimore-centric um, network where you, you can go – um, at the beginning and the end of the day and get your full, you know, take on Baltimore sports and news and highlights and all those things. And it just didn't seem like they wanted to do anything but run a bare bones network that showed baseball games. And I think that's just kind of sad. I mean, they, they had basically no Ravens coverage either. And I know that the Ravens have partnerships with like NBC and, and, and with CBS, the local networks here, but that doesn't mean that you should completely shirk, like completely shirk the, the opportunity there to, to build yourself into a more complete network. So um, I think we're just seeing a lot of mismanagement at Masson and then the trickle down from that is what's causing a lot of pressure with the Orioles. And it's sad to see. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the other issue beyond that. It's I think really separate from the announcer decisions. I know everyone wants to make them a one-on-one thing. This is has to be, and I, and like we said, you know, I think you have to preface it. We don't know the internal finances, the strategy of Masson, what the strategy of Masson has been for 15 years, but they have not really modernized that network at all in their existence. They just unveiled the ability to stream, which is insane that you're doing that in 2021, that this is the first year you're, you're giving the ability to stream, which you still have to authenticate. And it's only over seven States. So if you're a Orioles fan in California, you've got no, you have to continue to buy MLB TV. You can't stream it through the regional network. I don't know what they've what they look like. I do think they've done a pretty good job. I, just anecdotally on social media, they have some some talented people that have worked there in that department. So from a digital standpoint, they've done a pretty good job there. But clearly, as you said, they have not they have not invested beyond these two core tenants, and have really not invested much into the technology or the presentation of those broadcasts. I think mass and broadcasts have essentially looked the same for whatever it's been 
15 years now that, that, that this has been the setup or, or, or 14. So the question of whether that network has been mismanaged, which is owned by the Baltimore Orioles, is a stain on the Baltimore Orioles. I think no doubt about it. If you believe that that network could be in a better spot from a right standpoint, I think all of these regional networks are taking big hits right now across the country. If they have baseball because of all of the baseball games that are missed and some are just going to be in better spots, like a, 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 a network that is invested, like, you know, Marty watches Nesson for the Red Sox. They're in a better spot, like something like the yes network, which also has the nets and also has, you know, NYCFC and has all these shoulder program that people watch. You talk about mass and shoulder programming. At this point, it's just Orioles and Nationals classics. They don't really do anything from a studio perspective at all. They used to do the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. They don't do that anymore. So they've clearly made this about as bare bones as you can make it. And by taking it more bare bones, you're fine to have the perception that they're cheap. But clearly, as you said, Brian, the internal finances – can't look good if that's what they're doing. I mean, it's just too obvious. They just needed to invest more in themselves. That they don't have cash flow now. And the question is, did they run it to to take the profits, not invest back into the business? And that's yeah. now rearing its We're head. We're turning this into a CNC, CNBC podcast. Yeah, right but that's. Now, I but... mean, that's that's <laughs> sort of the discussion. I mean, that's yeah. people. You know, and then now you look at the Orioles, and clearly that you know they're not selling a lot of tickets the last few years. They're not bringing in revenue, and now they're deferring one year contracts, and that they're going to have a, about a $60 million payroll, which is essentially made up of two guys. I mean, it's essentially mm-hmm. a Chris Davis, Alex Cobb payroll with the rest of the players <laughs> kind of also chilling there, making up the rest of it. So, I mean, I don't do, know what do that says see, about the Orioles. I mean, you guys, you guys see more from, from the mass and standpoint than I do, but do you see it as a bigger issue for baseball as a whole, as one of the major four sports that isn't growing with the times. I think that a lot of the other sports are adjusting. And like you said, Taylor, they're, they're just the, the cross platform, the OTT, all that stuff. The other the leagues are just growing appropriately and baseball, yeah. I think as a whole just isn't. And when you're a, a network that relies on fun baseball only, then you're in trouble. There's definitely so glad you said that because this was one of those, the situations where I thought maybe the conversation was winding down, we were going to move, move on, but I wanted to make a point about them, them not getting, you know, sitting down at the table and figuring it out how to play a season until like mid July last year is a complete and utter failure. And this is yesterday's news, but this is the ramifications from that. And it's just so frustrating because other leagues, even though they had shortened seasons, they are structured in terms of revenue sharing and things like that, where um, other teams in the MLB are going to be hurt more than others. And, you know, the Yankees with the yes network are always going to be fine. You know, all these, some of these other networks and teams are just always going to be fine, but these small network teams, like they run on two small margins and they, and, and it's the, it's the Orioles of all the small teams that shouldn't have that issue because they kind of own two teams to a degree in terms of the rights and that whole thing with the network, but it's just, they, they just had to sit down sooner and figure something out better than playing a 60 game season the way they did last year. It's just a, it's just a joke. Yeah. I think, I think, and it speaks to, you know, what the situation ends up being with the Orioles financially. I mean, it's easy to look at sports teams as sort of, you know, impenetrable walls in terms of their finances, like these things will just continue. But 
sports teams have to make money. And if the Orioles aren't making money, you know, they're going to do weird things like defer, defer money to Trey Mancini, which is a PR disaster, quite frankly, to, to, to have done, to have offered that to a guy, you know, as beloved as he is now in town and, and coming back from what he did. And, and, but we don't know the internals enough to know if that's something they were being, yeah. you know, really had to do. Um, I think Marty, you bring up an awesome point. I mean, baseball, this is a giant discussion we could have for hours and hours. I mean, this is a, a constant mismanagement of how baseball promotes itself, how it missed an opportunity in the middle of the summer with nothing on where they really could have taken the sports world by storm for a few months, built stars. I don't know how much that helps the mm. Orioles. It would help the Orioles from a game volume standpoint, cause you would have had more games that helps mass and it just helps people rake money back in. I do think what's interesting about the baseball right situation is really the RSNs. It's what's helping baseball sort of deal with the fact that their national rights continue to get more and more devalued because the ratings continue to go down. Now they're valuable because they're live sports. So it's live sports. The bubble still has not burst on that, but because our, you can build an entire TV channel around one baseball team because it's just so many programming hours that has sort of helped these teams get giant contracts from these RSNs. But like we said, if those RSNs can't broadcast games like Masson, that puts them in a crunch unless they're. So I think that's a really good point. I think baseball and baseball, the fact that Masson hasn't streamed their games on any type of platform is crazy. I mean, you and and the amount of content you get from baseball to fill other things. I mean, this comes on the heels of a week where WWE just put together a one billion dollar TV deal based on their streaming network, and you see the power of like an OTT platform and what you know what t- big TV networks are willing to pay just for a subscriber base. You know baseball probably is one that is going to maybe be one of the first sports to essentially sell its rights back to something like Peacock or ESPN plus, because it's such a big, it's such a giant amount of programming hours. If you put that stuff behind a paywall, you know, you're kind of bringing in the subscribers. That's a totally different, I mean, you see those networks do that now with sports like the UFC and boxing and soccer, because those fan bases are used to paying baseball fans continue to get more and more used to paying because they pay for MLB TV and, and that's a good experience for them. So we'll see if that ends up happening, but very interesting. I do think the Orioles one about the, the salary deferments is, is fascinating in terms of their, that is, I'm telling you, that's the most concerning. Yeah. Easily. That's the concerning because mm-hmm. that's, that's has to do with the actual baseball team. I mean, mass yeah. and is mass yeah. and the games are going to get broadcast on something. So throw mass aside, the fact that the baseball team you know, the fact that the baseball team is, is struggling <laughs> with, Money, theoretically, if that's what they're doing, uh, you can read Dan Conley's article on Athletic, which also speaks to the, the Orioles combining their pitching coach job and their minor league pitching coordinator into one position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're, they, they obviously had the furloughs a few months ago. We'll see what that happens as they head towards the season. Do those furloughs get extended with a variety of different staff? It affected people we all know. Um, so, yeah, that it's fascinating. I mean, it really is, and it's – it should probably be a bigger story locally. And I think will be as spring training comes up, but it's a big story that a sports team continues to have to make moves like that. We've seen a lot of it in college sports, which is, you know, hits close to home, but you know, it's a perfect, it's a major league baseball team and they are clearly cost cutting. I mean, there is no doubt about it. Yeah. Probably, probably last comment here from CPA banks. I think there's a lot, there's, a lot of, um, I don't know, not confusion, but um, it's a misnomer that profit equals cash flow. Cash flow and profit are two very different things. And I think a lot of people 
and and franchise value is a completely other thing. Like people think that because MLB and MLB franchises are worth 500 million, 600 million, 700 million means that they have a piggy bank full of cash. Yeah, that doesn't mean there's cash on hand. Exactly. Cash flow is a completely different thing. And the other thing that ties in with that, that I wanted to say lastly, is that um, either the cash flow situation is, is truly dire. If they're asking their furloughing employees and they're asking their players for, for deferments or when things are tight, but they're kind of manageable for you to ask your employees to do something like that is this a really poor management strategy. It's just, it's really just not the way you should treat your employees and, and, and run things as a business. It's just, just bad form. And so it's one of those two things, either they're managing things poorly and they're, they're kind of doing some things that some people would consider to be not above board to not treat your employees the way they should be, or the cash situation is really dire. So not to alarm everybody who the hell knows what the ramifications are. They can probably get all kinds of financing and things to keep them afloat until we get to the other side of this whole thing. But um, for now, not a good look for the Baltimore Orioles. I'll say again, kind of last thing. I think I tweeted this that same day when it came out Saturday, I said, I retweeted the, I think Connolly's article. And I said, Orioles fans, if you want to get mad at something, get mad at this, get mad at the deferrals. Like that's something that I would understand people being upset about again, low balling your two best players, one coming off of a season that he missed because of cancer Such and, a bad look. and the other guy being a rule five pick that people have come to really, really enjoy now. So again, it's like, don't put all your anger towards the Gary Thorne stuff. If you want to be mad and, and rightfully so, that's something to be mad about. And again, I think it's, it's a very clear sign. Like some, there's something going on in the warehouse that people are, pe- people's ears are perked up and, and, and there's something, there's something going on there. On the other side of that, they did the week before invest more money into the international signing pool than they ever had. So the other question becomes, are they shifting money around and prioritizing? But the, the, the two salary deferments doesn't feel like, that's one of those things that feels like they were trying to do the best they could to kind of cut costs on this 2021 thing. And then the last thing Connolly brought up in, in his article, um, which I really think is, is and, and Baltimore Sun did some nice stuff on it too, um, in case you're whichever paywall you decide to jump your, get your book reporting from um, is he had from a, from a, from a, you know, somebody that analyzed it that said, is it the Orioles cutting costs prepare for a sale, which is, is always the sort of the thing that floats around the Angelos family. Mm. And do they want to sell the team? Do they not? We have no idea, but you know, it's worth mentioning as, as a potential reason why you would cut costs in to prepare for that. I don't think they're going to sell the team, but it's just, it's, I think it's worth saying at the end of this conversation, but uh so a lot of deep dive on the Orioles there, but I think it's interesting stuff and, and something that's a little inside baseball to use a term that has exactly to do with the sport saying, but I mean, this is, this is the real world right now for these teams. Uh, Freddie Galvis, any thoughts? Freddie Galvis. Freddie Galvis. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's, um, it's Jose Iglesias, the 2.0. It's Jose, Jose Iglesias with dreads. I think, I mean, they sounded to, I think it was one year deal and, He's okay. He's fine. I think he was ninth in defensive runs saved last year for shortstops. Like he he's okay. He's a switch hitter. Um, if he's, he has a good first half, Freddie, thanks for the time here. Um, enjoy your <laughs> you know your run with the Red Sox or you know some play, a playoff team or 
team that needs a middle infielder and, and we'll see you later. Um, I mean, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. It, the, the biggest thing was like, oh, shit, the Orioles are going out and making a, a – it's not a minor league deal or something like that. Like, it's a major league guy. Um, I mean, he didn't have the best year last year. Obviously, no one, no one really had a great year. But, I mean, he's shown some power in the past. He, he's pretty good with the glove. And Freddie Galvis. Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing really hard right now at Coach K whooping up this Georgia Tech win like he just won a national championship. I just saw that. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's parading off the court. Oh like, my gosh! Uh, getting getting there with, yeah, tough week for Coach K. He's really, gonna bring uh, he's gonna bring that reporter back on and, and ask yeah. him. That's how we rebounded. I, I, I don't. Really I, I will next. say it's a little. It's a little. Uh, it's a little minor league for him to be getting that excited. I do yeah, think he's just trying to ele- elevate the more elevate the uh, the mood of his team. I mean, they've been terrible for three weeks. But, uh, I mean, not exactly a, a giant step to beat Josh Pastner at home, <laughs> but hey, however you can get wins to end on the Orioles stuff. I do think this to shout out Conley one more time, fellow Calvert Hall guys. So you got to get him out there one more time. Uh, his final sentence of this article is after a rural 2020, an organization that often claims to be operating on the margins is desperately looking for financial breaks in 2021 kind of sums it up, kind of sums up what, what the, what the mood and what the, the reason for the decisions is. So, We'll see what happens. Uh, a lot more to come. I and mean, we were heading towards uh, spring training here. So um, we will be covering the Orioles as we head through. We're still trying to figure out how we want to best uh, kind of get them from week to week with all of the games that are going to be gone. Uh, tough to sum up a week of baseball in one episode. So we're going to figure that out. But uh, a lot to talk about this week on the Orioles front. Really, that had nothing to do with anything on the field. So hopefully yeah. uh, we can move to talking about stuff that has to do. Freddie uh, Galvis was just Freddie Galvis. Yeah, Freddie Galvis is Freddie right. Galvis is Freddie Galvis. Um, we will move on uh, to our starting five segment this week. Uh, we did this a few weeks ago, drafting uh, super, or excuse me, uh, places we wanted to go to see an NFL road game. I jumped ahead of myself this week. It's a Super Bowl starting five, uh, which we bring Marty on uh, to draft with us. We are going to pick one Super Bowl bar, so a bar you'd watch the game at. One Super Bowl snack to eat while you're watching. One Super Bowl logo of the uh, historic Super Bowls. Not a lot in the recent years to pick there. One Super Bowl MVP and one Super Bowl halftime show. So you're kind of building your optimal Super Bowl over the course of these categories. All four of us are going to draft here. Uh, Did we determine an order? No, but we should explain also that there's no... There's no order in which we need to pick from these given categories. We just need to make sure we pick one and it's going to be snake draft style. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to do it right now. Good job by us. Uh, just not uh, doing this beforehand. <laughs> we talked about it and Banks said randomizer, randomizer. And I thought yeah, that meant just, he was uh, randomizing it. <laughs> just say somebody's name and then like do a one through four randomizer. And then whatever number they get is where they pick. And then do a one through three for the other three. And I'm doing two. a fantasy draft four team randomizer. So I think that might be how we do it. That's what I'm on right now. So okay. that's how it's going to get done. RDT, your team three. I'm team four. We'll make sure this is really great radio mm-hmm. right here. This is what the X52 podcast does. Marty has the first pick. I have the second pick. Banks has the third pick. RDT is the fourth pick. Wow. All right, Marty. First draft on the X52 podcast and you have the overall number one pick. We've drafted before. It's an honor to be in another draft with you. I think that because of the um, 
the others in this draft, I need to take this one early because it's going to get snatched real quick. Um, but I'm going to take uh, Super Bowl 35 halftime show because how can you not? Um, it's the theme was Kings of Rock and Pop. So it was Aerosmith, NSYNC, Britney, Smear, Britney Spears, Mary J. Blige, and Nelly with the set list of bye bye. I don't want to miss a thing. It's going to be me, Jaded, and Walk This Way. Mm. A great halftime show. A great halftime show. Uh, and obviously Ravens Giants. So both of our teams involved. Both of our teams um, in it. One well, of not, us not, not the Titans, it, but you know. It was an eleven year old me. Yeah. I was very excited, uh, as was a young uh Banks. But yeah, that was a great halftime show. All of those people at a really big peak in their career. I mean, InSync is giant at that point. Britney Spears is huge at that point. Nelly is coming off country grammar. He's huge. He does the country grammar verse in uh at the end there's also an intro to it featuring like ben stiller and adam sandler and chris rock chris rock so a lot of people thrown into that um so a fun one uh down in uh tampa and you, you sprinkle in a little steven tyler there for the ladies oh yeah do you want to know a fun <laughs> fact i will always remember about that that super bowl halftime show or whatever so that same night obviously in sync was record or was performing on MTV, the Backstreet Boys released, I think it was I Want It That Way, the music video, at halftime. That was like, <laughs> that was the peak. That was the, like, this league of, <laughs> of boy bands. Like, I remember back, we were at a friend's house, and all the girls switched the TV over to MTV to see I Want It That Way. This that, league, man. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, was, that was the war right there. That was the absolute war. Um, so I have the second pick here, Marty. That's a great pick. I was going to think about taking that, uh, just because of the sentiment of value, you know, of, of it being the Ravens and, and all those different things. I do think there is the, the potential want to take a halftime show, but I'm going to lock up my snack here, um, with the second overall pick. And I, and I just think it's a football favorite, something I love at any, uh, Super Bowl uh, party. I'm going to take Buffalo chicken dip. Uh, as, as my snack, um, I just I just think it's a great Super Bowl snack. Shout out to uh, our buddy and listener of this show, Ryan Lee, who's made some great buffalo chicken dip the past couple of years. Excellent. Uh, I'm sure he will love getting mentioned on the show, maybe. Uh, so I'm gonna take buffalo chicken dip, just solid. Share it with everybody. Um, get it done. Get the chips. Get the bread. Whatever you want to put on it. Sure I didn't. Works. I didn't think that was gonna go that early. It was. No. Uh, it had was my number combine. one, number one on my my board for that category. Yeah, had for had sure. to get it, had to get it done. I had to get it done. There was obviously another one that could have gone sooner, but um, it is Buffalo what it chicken is. dip. Um, third pick, Banks. third pick, third pick is me. I am going to go, and this is a hometown pick for sure. Um, I'm going Joe Flacco MVP. I'm, I got to <laughs> do it. Have to do it. Just summed up the best uh, postseason run of any quarterback in the history of playoff football. Uh, 11 touchdowns, our interceptions. Everybody knows the story. Um, and I think that they kind of they kind of hit the brakes a little bit in the second half of that Super Bowl because uh, if, if Kaepernick and the Niners were able to punch it in and, and they were down 34-29, if they punch it in, you know, I think a lot of people think about that as being the deciding factor of that Super Bowl, and rightfully so, but – if Kaepernick gets in, are we going to act like Joe Flacco is not going right down the field and getting the field goal or the touchdown that's going to win that game? No. I mean, he's the MVP, best postseason run ever. 
He's my guy. He's my pick. Good pick. Uh, Taylor, I thought this is where you were going. I'm going Buffalo Wings. Okay. That's, I, I, think it ha- sure. I thought that had to be the first pick off the board. Um, what is it, one point? What does this say? 1.4 billion chicken wings? Yeah, tremendous. I mean, it's, there's no other food. I thought I, I I thought about taking that myself. That's what I, I was thought worried. about I taking was, it, but I was I just love I buffalo chicken dip. To me, like I get buffalo wings a lot during the year, and the buffalo chicken dip just always comes around Super Bowl time for me. But that's just that was my reason. I can't. I I won't knock it. I definitely won't knock it. Um, and then my so swinging it back around, I'm going halftime performance. I'm I'm doing it. I'm taking the the February first, two thousand four. A lot of young. <laughs> men remember this super bowl um it 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 molded a lot of probably our <laughs> listeners um turned them into the 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 individual that they are today that's the jessica simpson p diddy nelly kid rock justin timberlake and of course janet jackson the the wardrobe malfunction the city bowl, whatever you want. i believe right uh yeah i i just know the game was over at that point it was um that was um patriots panthers no, wasn't it? Um, or Eagles? I thought it was Bucks. Bucks. It was Patriots oh, Raiders. It was it? Patriots Panthers? I think it was. What was Bucks Raiders? I don't know. But regardless, fourteen ten at the half. Patriots. Yeah, there, there was definitely there was more excitement in the halftime show than there was uh, yeah. during the quick. First everybody half. go around the circle. Remember where they were, and then what they did later that night. <laughs> <laughs> Yompes. <laughs> That's my pick, Titty. Bowl. I was at my parents' house. That's fair. I was. Yeah. I was across the street. <laughs> I think I we all street. were. <laughs> I remember all the guys in the room just went, whoa. <laughs> Talk about a time that I wish Twitter was that, – that doesn't it get brought up enough in the, the conversation of what sporting events – It would have truly been unbelievable. It would have been. That might – we might have to do a starting five of those oh, events alone. Write it that down. That would have been great in Twitter, Twitter history. All right, Banks. Uh, moving on. Um, this is tough. This is where this is – gosh i'm gonna go with another hometown pick here i'm gonna go with jimmy seafood for my bar mm. um we kind of went over criteria i did but you know um i i before we started this podcast before we hit record we talked about where we could watch um and we whittled it down to baltimore i wanted to take cornerstone because I watched, <laughs> I watched Cor- uh, Super Bowl Forty Seven um, at Cornerstone, and that obviously was good vibes. Um, had a great time. I mean, the Caps and the Penguins played like a twelve thirty game that Sunday, and I showed up at twelve o'clock sharp. Sat down in front of the projector screen that they have in the corner downstairs. I sat down with my mug. You know, shout out Sunday mugs at Cornerstone. If you know, you know. Um, and I was drinking Bud Heavy's starting at noon, making sure I had a front row seat for that projector screen at Cornerstone. And I sat there for, I mean, I was there for 12 hours. We won the Super Bowl, partied in the streets on Route 1, and then back inside the Cornerstone and had ourselves a hell of a night. But I'm taking Jimmy Seafood for my pick here because it's Baltimore only. And, um, I mean, what better place to go watch a football game? I mean, the bar has been, you know, pretty much rebuilt upstairs. Haven't seen it yet personally, but I hear great Unreal. things. And um, man, I, the last time I watched a game at Jimmy's was Monday Night Football against the Rams, and that was a pretty good time, I'd say. So, um, and you know, you're getting all the great food. 
that they have there. They've got all the local beers. Jimmy Seafood. It's a good pick. And uh, shout out to the sponsor of the show. So they, they had to be on here at some point, you would think. Uh, I'm going to lock up uh, Ray Lewis here. Uh, the crowning achievement for the all-time greatest Raven, uh, leading the greatest defense of all time um, to a Super Bowl win. Over Marty's Giants, dominant in the game, uh, set the entire tone for the game, um, and and a legend in the town. There's a reason there's a statue outside the stadium. Uh, he has to. I have to lock him up as my as my my MVP pick. Uh, the the pick is good. Super Bowl, my team, my team is one. The pick so. is good, but do, don't you think you could have gotten him later? I do think I could have gotten him potentially later, but I Even actually definitely got him. I don't player. think anyone. I don't think anyone is going to take my other picks. And so I just wanted to lock him up early in the draft. I wanted to make sure no one could steal him to potentially pander to the crowd here, which could have been what Marty and RDT maybe tried to do. So I'm going to just get him so I have him and then adjust as we continue to go through the draft. So that is my pick. Marty. All right, I got back-to-back here. Um, I am a huge Pickles guy. You guys know that. But in my mind, Pickles to me is just – it's baseball it's kind of laid back chilling by the bar um when i think football in the city of baltimore uh, i think purple patio i think mothers i'm gonna lock mothers in that's your spot that's That's the clear next pick Uh, for sure for bars i think i'm gonna and uh black kind of thought he was gonna pigeonhole me in the in the eli corner for one of his two MVPs. Um, <laughs> but I think in my mind, I, I don't, I mean, Glad's done great things for me. He got me two Super Bowls. I, I'm never going to fault him there, but I'm going to pander a little bit to this state here and give Randy White um, my nod, even though oh, it was wow. my least favorite, mm. one of my least favorite football teams. Um, but I think it's awesome that uh, a Maryland guy got in there as uh, a nod off. <laughs> Key player, uh, yeah, not really like a a quarterback or a receiver. The Manster, yeah, and I've I've met him before. He's an awesome dude. So I thought uh, I'd give him my my pick there. One of the not that's a great pick in terms of one of the not talked about like all time athletes from this area. Like he yeah. was amazing in college. He's a college football hall of famer and was an incredible professional. It's a more of an old school pick, but Randy White is a stud. Okay, I gotta figure out what I want to do with this pick. It it (laughs) certainly swings back to me. Uh, Mothers feels right on Marty's team. I would just like to say that Marty has great history with mothers. Just feels right that the patio is on Team Suma. So I'm glad that that I'm glad that that happened. Um, What do I want to do? It just feels like everyone's saving logo for the last round, which is I feel like is is is. uh, But we'll see what happens. Oh, I'm, I'm really torn on halftime show. I've been torn on it this entire time. I was hoping I could get 35 because that holds a lot of sentimental value. Marty smartly secured it with the number one pick. I could go with bar. I just don't know. Mm, this is tough. This is tough. I'm going to go. I don't know. <sighs> it's, I mean. Mm. <sighs> Yeah, I'm going to pick don't know. I'm going to pick don't know. Wow. I'm going to pick don't know. Projector in the back. I'll get my Cuban. I'll settle in with my Cuban sandwich if I'm watching it at a bar. I'll bring the Ryan Lee Buffalo chicken dip to the bar. Sit back there with the projector. 
bring the boys over. Um, food's good. Vibes are good. Don't know. It's a good pick. Can't hate it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think on my feet here where I want to go with this next pick here. Cause I am thinking about going, look, I already got Flacco. I already got Jimmy's. I am going to go with 1993 at the Rose Bowl. Michael Jackson, halftime show. He's near the peak of his powers. He is, I mean, he's the king of pop. He's as big as it gets. Uh, you know, Michael Jackson. Um, this is weird because if you go back and watch it, it's, it's, since it's on the West Coast, it's actually in daylight. Yeah, it's a, it indoors. looks like it's like in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. But let me tell you, it's lit. It's at one of football's most iconic um, venues. When I'm thinking about this, you know, this category, I'm thinking about sitting in the bleachers and watching it live or being there on the field, just going crazy as this performer's going. I mean, Michael Jackson. That's the pick. There it is. Solid one. By the way, I was just uh, alerted to a tweet from John Heyman. Get ready for this one. This will uh, age well. Braves have kicked tires on Orioles start Trey Mancini. Nothing serious yet, but Braves need offense. Could be tough to trade for O's, though. So <sighs> that would uh, – oh, you want to sit off a week on Orioles Twitter. Oh, um, let me see. So I will go – so, see, for me, me the, the bar situation is different. I Because I don't go into the city to watch the games. I've only been to a handful of bars in the city. But for my – for my bar, I'm going to go – it's always our halftime stop of, of Mardi Gras. We always stop down, get something to eat. I'm going wayward. I've had nothing but good times there. Um, I think it could be a nice little place. And, again, I think they have some delicious food that – they have football food. Like, they have, they have some good football food that, uh, that I could get down with. So, give me, give me wayward. Gotcha. And then my, my – Got to do a better job making it sure the Super Bowl's on the TV. I watch you, Wayward. Do a better job switching your TVs when things happen. I was wondering okay, if he well, was going to get after this. Well, well Tim, this, nobody. Should we should we dive into this now? No, no. We'll do when 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 we'll when do bars when, are bars come, when bars yeah. reopen. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, but I don't think we okay. need to kick Wayward while they're down. Yeah, right yeah, now. King yeah, will sleep I don't want to kick because I love Wayward. But there's a, there's and this is this is not just Wayward. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's not get into this now. And then so my Super Bowl hat or MVP. I'm going. I'm going kind of like like Marty off the beaten path. Give me Desmond Howard. Oh, okay. Return, sweet. Yeah. 244 all-purpose yards, 99-yard kickoff return. I I think that was one of the first Super Bowls that I like remember watching and like. Great uh, pick. Yeah. Yeah. Really so a good MVP. And yeah. I I've always liked Desmond Howard too. I think he's I I I mean obviously the iconic uh, college football film and the highlight and the the run back and the pose and. Kind of I think it's the, it's very cool that he, I mean, he'd had a good NFL career, but he really didn't have like an all pro, like perennial, nowhere near like a hall of fame type career, but he had, he just lived for big moments. He, you know, he won the mm -hmm. Heisman. He had the moment with the, with the Heisman pose in the end zone, which always bugs me that it's not, you don't put your leg in the air when you do Heisman pose <laughs> Heisman trophy doesn't have his leg in the air, but anyways, um, him, him coming up like coming up big in the Super Bowl is awesome. Like, also very likable on TV now. Yeah, He's a very totally likable mm -hmm. on the college football coverage right now. For sure. Yeah. 
for my by the way now that we've all kind of done our mvp picks i i would have uh if it if i didn't get flacco i probably would have gone montana because you just get three yeah i would have gone brady and really pander to the fan base here okay sure um <laughs> all right cool good talk on that um I'm going to go with my logo. I almost went with my logo last round right after you guys said like, oh, I guess everybody's saving the logos for last round. No, this is the logo I had my eyeballs on the entire time. I'm talking about the Super Bowl 31 logo. When you want a Super Bowl logo, you want your logo to pop and you want your logo to exude the energy of the area in which your Super Bowl is taking place. I can't think of a logo that does that better and Super Bowl 31, you've got, I mean, I don't know what you call that. It's like the it, it, Jester's hat. Super Bowl, or... yeah, Jester's hat. Like it's New Orleans, it's Superdome. Um, it's, you know, it just has the flair that you want. It's Bourbon Street. It's... Yeah, it's just, it's exactly, it's like a party. Like it literally looks like party streamers slash like the top of a Jester's hat. It's just a beautiful logo. Those are great colors too. Underutilized color combo there in that logo. Pops, Super Bowl 31. Reminds me of the WrestleMania logo mm-hmm. from when they've gone to New Orleans. They probably took it off of that. Probably not out of the question. Yeah. They've had great logos when they go there. God, I love Super Bowl logos. Um, Yeah, the, well, as in terms of oh, before the last decade, the ones, which yeah. they all stink. Right. Um, I'm actually also going to grab a logo here. Um, with my pick, I'm just making sure I'm just, my Roman numerals is just not, it's just not outstanding. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what Super Bowl it's actually is. Uh, <laughs> what a tough scene, whatever X, X, V, I, 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 whatever that is, uh, 94. Uh, I, so this, the reason I t- make this pick is hmm. sentimental for other reasons. So it's, from the George Dome, so it's got the peach, and I love the uh, logo when Maryland won the national championship yep. in Georgia with the peach. This reminds mm-hmm. me of that peach. Give me another logo with a peach because it reminds me of other good things that have happened with peach logos involving my Chick-fil-A life. Chick Fil A peach bowl. This, this was my second bowl. second logo uh, on my board. So I'm gonna take um, that as my uh, as my logo pick. Uh, give me the peach. Uh, not a not a not a game anyone would remember. Cowboys dominated the Bills, but um, yeah, I'm gonna take the peach. Good pick. The mean so, now? No, I think uh, Marty, Marty has his coming, last coming, two. Coming, coming around. Oh, two. Last two. Yep. Right, so I'm gonna go with my food. Um, and this one is very uh dependent on temperature. But I'm gonna go with a mozzarella stick. Wow! It God, can't be cold, where so like you pull the cheese and it just like snaps right away. It's got to be pretty piping hot with some fresh marinara right next to it. Ooh. I'm gonna go with the mozzarella stick on that one. Um, I I was surprised Buff Chicken went as early as it did, Taylor. But you got a good one early. Um, and then for a logo. Um, and prefacing by saying, Marty, you are a logo expert. So I'm interested to see who you take here. You are like a logo yeah, guy. I'm like, when it comes to logos, I'm really into simplicity. And for some reason, this Super Bowl 13 from Miami, I don't know. I love it. 
it's got kind of, kind got of that, that like, uh, jumbotron that, like, like bulb look yeah, like, to it. Jump, like, yeah, pixelated old school Atari football kind of mobile or something. Yeah, it's got a little that feel. That's yeah. Yeah, there's definitely like three eras of logos that they kind of go through. In the yeah. first like 15 to 20 or so, they got kind of one style, and then I think they really hit their stride in the middle bunch. But in that first era, that one really sticks out. I also love these, and they go away from it around. Um, I like that they have like the stadium name. I like the Orange Bowl, Miami, mm-hmm. Florida date. I just yep. think that kind of adds. It's just got that old school feel to it. So I, I, that's a good pick. I like that. Yeah, I'm waiting for for Eric to pick his so I can really lay into one logo on here that I absolutely. Hate. <laughs> I You're saying I, I'm going to pick that one? <laughs> yeah, you think not. that's the one I'm going to pick? That would be tremendous if you pick it. <laughs> I think it's back to Taylor. It is back to me. Sorry, I'm t- I'm typing in the picks here, um, which I'm sure somebody else is doing too. But I'm just making sure we're we're uh, we're online. What was that Super Bowl 13? Okay, so I've got a halftime show to pick here, um, and I, I really think there have been a lot of good Super Bowl halftime shows. So this is this is a hard pick for me. Um, oh, this is such a hard pick. Like. I, I really respected the the Maroon 5 one when they gave us a little bit of the sweet victory from Travis Scott just because I love that SpongeBob, but that can't be the pick because Maroon 5 is just not in that Too echelon. little of a taste, in my opinion. Yeah, just too little of a taste, but I just have to shout that out as a great moment as a gigantic SpongeBob <clears throat> guy. Um, I think the Prince one is is iconic. Um, True. Because it was raining during Purple. Oh, man. This I is think, so tough. I think Prince is way overrated. But I'm not a Prince guy, so I would feel like a little bit of a fraud to take it. So ultimately, um, I'm going to settle on Beyonce um, at the at the at the uh, at the Superdome. Obviously, the Ravens won. And she she I think blew the lights out of that place, um, <laughs> and that was and Beyonce is amazing. I'm not a like a giant Beyonce guy. I think her songs are awesome, but I just don't like really listen to them. Uh, she's an amazing performer, and that was an amazing performance. And I think uh, obviously holds a nice place in Ravens fans' hearts because that was a Super Bowl they won, and uh, probably considered maybe the best, one of the you know top echelon halftime shows of all time. From so I'll take, oh, I'll take the Queen, I'll take Beyonce. Wow, I like that you called sure. the Queen. All right, so my last pick, I need a a snack. I think a lot of people are going to go in the nacho direction, something chip related. Um, maybe a spinach dip, salsa. I don't know. I'm not going that direction. I'm going with pigs in a blanket. I'm a big pigs in a blanket <laughs> you really guy. Are. This is the least shiny pick of all time. Swish. I love pigs in a blanket. And I was really close between this and a Chick-fil-A nugget tray. Mm. I don't know that you can really that's right, import. That. And that's a little bit of an infringement on the wings to a degree. I don't know. But um, I love pigs in a blanket. You get a good like honey mustard or something like that to dip it in. Yeah. Um, there's not much better than pigs, pigs, pigs in a blanket play. Those have to be warm though. Those, when they, when they get any type of cold, they stink. They have to stay. I don't think that they completely stink, but yeah, of course, like any, any hot food, it's going to diminish, but Buffalo chicken dip stays for no, it does. No Buffalo chicken dip plays pretty much. But pigs in a blanket, uh, watching you bring that to uh, a Thanksgiving we had a couple of years, our, our oh, Thanksgiving we had a couple years that. ago was an unbelievable moment. I provided the catch up. Dude, uh, people bring so many basic things to Thanksgiving. <laughs> you need some things to nosh on when you're having <laughs> cocktail hour. There it is. All right. 
Finish it off. A logo. I'm going. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of good ones to choose from. I'm going Super Bowl 38, Houston. That was a Vinatieri kick. I love the colors. They were the yellow, the red, the bluish. Um, it and again, it just for some reason I think Houston. I think rodeo. Like when I see yeah, that. Oh, yeah, to me, it looks Astro. Like it's supposed to be it kind. Of, yeah, maybe planetary. that's it. I, I love that's, it though. That's and, what and it I, is. Again, that's. I just, I really, I really liked it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's always stuck out to me. But again, I mean, there's a few that I could have picked. But yeah, I'm going with uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl 38. Yeah, there's some real good ones there. I think Super Bowl 30 with uh, in Arizona at Sun Devil Stadium the with the Triple so X. Sick. It's just got mm-hmm. some really cool like southwestern type vibe. Uh, pretty much in that that bucket there, that area, you're gonna get a good logo. Super Bowl 35, I think, is like middle of the pack. Um, I think 36 is cool because it was right after September 11th. Yeah. It's very patriotic. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about that, they actually had a completely different logo set out and they changed I'll it. I have to imagine. After I believe that, yeah. Um, okay, so the one I app, I just, I yeah, don't crush this one. What's happening. What is, what's 32? 32. 32. It looks like a bowling card. Am I looking at the right one? Next no to the next. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, you know it, does, it looks like three. It looks like strike. It looks like three strikes in a row. I yeah. can't see close enough as to where it is. That's the that San Diego San one. San Diego, I think. Yeah. The funny part is the San Diego one for thirty-seven with like the ocean and almost what looks yeah, like a lighthouse. Was, I actually almost yeah. picked. I think that's kind of a cool logo with the blue. It is, but yeah, logo. I don't really understand what they're doing with that one on in thirty-two. I don't know if they hmm. were like. Are they supposed to be like uh, maritime flags or something? Yeah. May- oh, yeah. Because maybe the compass is bo- the compass is kind of behind it. Is that yeah. like a sort of like a pointing in different directions? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I just really it's ugly. Yeah, I also don't really like uh, twenty nine Miami, which is in that out in the, on the site I'm looking at is in the same row. I, I eh. just kind of I, with Miami, I feel like you could do a little bit better than that, but. Um, some of the script yeah, really logos are going to learn my Roman numerals again here. Yeah, this is, yeah, I'm having, I'm struggling. And let's be very clear that once they start to go nothing but silver, it's just a trash move. Um, Correct. although I didn't hate the Super Bowl 51, like the number of the background, it's very like, seems like it's important, at least of yeah. that batch. That's the best of the group, in my opinion. But I think for the most part, they stink. I, I would have taken that Super Bowl 36 one with the United States and the Stars and Stripes. I think that that's a, a very draftable logo in this mm-hmm. uh, in this starting yep, five. Yeah, they started at forty five with essentially now a standard logo that they go through yeah. every year, which we kind of talked about before is probably just the NFL doing some branding. But even but... even looking like forty five through forty eight, at least they have the the stadium in the background, or even through forty nine. Um, but then like 51 on on, it's just the Roman numeral with the trophy. It's weak. It's weak. It's, weak. it's not it's getting even worse. I like the yeah. Rose Bowl and Super Bowl 21. Rose Super Bowl, Bowl 20. Super Bowl 22 is very clean. I like that one. But uh, yeah, some sweet logos out there. Other so, mentions, other categories, maybe? Uh, sure. Uh, halftime shows. I'm a, I'm a big Timberlake guy. I enjoy Timberlake. 
I thought I thought maybe Katy Perry's would get picked because of the left shark, right shark situation mm-hmm. that was yeah. going on there. Not yeah. a big Katy Perry guy, but yeah, that was very Tom Petty. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a Lady Gaga guy, one. but she was, I thought she was incredible. She rocked um, it. She did. Bruno Mars was was tremendous. Yeah. Lady did. Gaga had the the meme that so that one clip oversight. where she fake she fake jumped off the the top of the I almost the, took Bruno uh, roof yeah, Almost took Bruno. Bruno would have been a fantastic pick. Yeah. Uh, I thought about if 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 the Ravens had been taken, I would have maybe taken Nick Foles. Sure. Uh, so. uh Halftime shows before 35, really Michael Jackson is the only one that came into my mind at that point. I mean, you go through, it's like. Had to go with it. 95 is themed Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. (laughs) They sold it. Teddy Pendergrass, (laughs) Tony Bennett. I mean, that's just a tough tough scene. Uh, And then I think if you were going to pick a national anthem, which I almost suggested as another category Mm -hmm. uh, to replace, uh, Whitney Houston would probably be the number one. It has to be. Um, Definitely. Maybe, Bar. maybe could have been the number one pick in the, in the entire draft if we'd done national anthems. Oh, um, definitely. No, I think you would have to take that just because of the drop off after that first pick is so substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm big uh, on a trumpet <laughs> national anthem. By the way, yeah, I would have taken I would have taken Demi Lovato. Wow. But my God, I, you guys, your t- last ten national or 11 national anthems carrie underwood christina aguilera kelly clarkson alicia keys renee fleming idina menzel let it go lady gaga luke bryan pink gladys knight demi lovato jasmine sullivan and eric church do you remember the big the big thing with pink um yeah the over under she she got sick that week yeah oh oh yeah yeah yeah, but no that was it the the over under and they were like she's sick she's been she's been eating cough drops all week take the under take the under like she's gonna want to get out of there as quick as possible by the way funny thing about your um your note about the backstreet boys they did sing the national anthem at super bowl 35 oh my god Uh, the boy band the the head-to-head they sung the anthem and and sing to the the halftime show but they were the headline of of the halftime they were them and Aerosmith Wasn't is Aerosmith? the headliner. No, no you said they were, were combo headliners of the halftime. They started off, and then the rest of the people filter in. I actually watched it the other day. <laughs> I got it on because <laughs> I was looking up some other Super Bowl stuff because we obviously have the anniversary of that coming here. Yeah, and uh, and that came up, and it's uh, it's pretty tremendous. And, and it, the number one pick, and the number one pick of this draft. So Marty, yeah. Marty got it out there, and it would have gotten picked. I, I would have taken it as well. So what a what a night for Lou Pearlman that was. Yeah, God, that stuff's crazy. There's yeah, some, there's some interesting stuff with that. that Tune whole, in next week where we do a deep yeah, dive. Yeah, we do a deep dive with the boy band, boy band stuff. There's whew, a lot going on there. Lots of one. Uh, any snack? Any snack ones from anybody? Uh, queso was one for me. Queso, yeah. I the mean, chips and dip. And walk. Like that. If I didn't get wings, I didn't know where oh. I was going. Yeah, it's. I didn't think Buffalo chicken dip was going to go that early. I thought I could get them maybe in the second round. Yeah. And I so would have I, felt very good about that. So it's Marty really made my pick for me. I think I was good. I was planning on locking up the Super Bowl 35 halftime show early because I thought it would go early. Marty took it early. And so I was like, I got to get Buffalo chicken dip. And uh, I'm glad I did based on what you guys said. Yeah. Um, yeah, MVPs, MVPs. I think Desmond Howard was one that was on mine if I hadn't gotten either of the Ravens. I, was, I could have gotten Flacco later, but I think I panicked a little bit with with the way that you threw the Buffalo chicken dip in there. Um, yeah, I, did, so, I, I thought about forcing wings right then and there, but then I went against it. Maybe I, I, I was worried. Have. I was. I thought yeah. you were definitely going to You thought there was going to be a run on food. 
Mm-hmm. Quick look back through the draft order, and then we'll move on. Uh, Marty takes the Super Bowl 35 halftime show first. Buffalo Chicken Dip goes to me second. Flacco to Banks third. Buffalo Wings. And the Super Bowl 38 halftime show to RDT back-to-back. Jimmy Seafood to Banks. Ray Lewis to me. Uh, Mothers to Marty. Randy White to Marty. I took Don't Know as my bard number 10. Michael Jackson goes to Banks on the halftime show. Wayward to RDT. Desmond Howard to RDT. Um, which Super Bowl logo? This New Orleans with the was a 31 um, goes to banks. I took the Georgia dome peach one. Um, Marty takes mozzarella sticks, which is not <laughs> like I expected. Um, and the Super Bowl 13 logo. I took Beyonce pigs in a blanket goes to banks, which is very apt. And the Super Bowl 38 logo goes to RDT to finish the draft. Could have so, thrown, could have thrown Sunday bar in there. Finish the starting five. So those are our starting fives. Yeah. Could have. Yeah. Could have. That would have been a good pick. Uh, those are our starting fives. We'll throw them out on Twitter. People can tell us what they think um, and tell us add their suggestions. Vote, do something. Yeah, vote, yeah. add some suggestions. We'll, we'll throw it out there. Uh, as we ga- go towards the end here, uh, Nick Kaner Medley, Maryland Man of the Week. Anybody have anything? I I was going to give it to Morgan Cox. I was going to ask for – You can still be, give it to him. But you like – you, you, you open the show with it. We kind of threw it out there like, man, big balance between Ravens and Orioles this week. What do we start with? Kind of just hit record. That's be our guy. Hit record, and, and I was wondering which way Taylor was going to go. Went straight to the Morgan Cox thing. Um, I'm going to give my award to Morgan Cox every day of the week in the circumstance. Um, I said my piece at the beginning. I'll say it again. We thank you for your years of service here in Baltimore. Consummate professional. Um, he's handled this situation as well as anyone possibly could have nothing but great things to say on his, on his way out. And um, we wish him the best at his next, next situation. Um, and honestly, like he made an all pro team ring of honor. Why not? I think that they should put in the, the wolf pack when it's all said and done, they should put them in all three of them together at the same time. So good one. That's my pick. RDT. I'm going McDonald's. Did we know spicy nuggets were back? What? I was a no. huge. I was a they, like, huge didn't even tell anybody guy. they left. So did they announce I, that they came back? No, they left. <laughs> and then when I I went, I know there they today, left, but I, they didn't like announce it. And like they were gone for such a short period of time that it's like, did they re-pop? Did they re-be like, uh, hey, spicy nuggets uh, are back? Like I literally pulled up today and I saw a sign that said spicy nuggets are back. I pulled up and I said, <laughs> do you guys have spicy nuggets? And the lady like took her like five seconds to answer. So I was like. Oh man, someone someone's fucking with me. They put up an old sign. Like they got me. Ha ha. Jokes on me. She said, "Yeah, we got them." I was like, "Load them up. Toss them in. Let's do this." Did we bully big fast food? Uh, Some would say, but I mean, (laughs) they're delicious. They're so good. So big shout out McDonald's. Interesting. Uh, My pick for uh, the uh, Maryland person man thing of the week. This has just become a variety of of things you can pick. Uh, I'm picking the one of the great events of the year. It's got to be the Royal Rumble. We are in Royal Rumble week. We are headed towards the Royal Rumble on Sunday. If you're someone that doesn't like wrestling or doesn't watch a lot of wrestling, this is the event to watch. It will not be as good with no crowd in the stands. It will be a Tropicana field in front of a bunch of TV screens, but you get two for the price of one now with the women's and the men's Royal rumble. Uh, Marty's guy in Maryland's finest Mojo Raleigh. Uh, hopefully will be involved. We love when Mojo gets in the rumble. Um, a lot of storylines going in. Um, it's fun. Royal rumble. Get get a pool with your friends, pick numbers and, uh, and watch it go put some money on the line. It's a, uh, it's a fun time. So Royal rumble, one of the great, one of the great 
besides WrestleMania, and some people like it more than WrestleMania, uh, the great wrestling events of the year. So I'm going with the Royal Rumble Sunday on the WWE Network because I just shill for WWE. Marty, you got anything? We're putting you on the spot here. We really just brought you on for to, to talk to talk uh, starting five. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw I, this to you. Yeah, I had um, I had WWE as um, I thought as well because the Royal Rumble to me is more fun than WrestleMania. Um, but I think <laughs> my backup might have to be M&T Bank Stadium. I know football may be over in the bank, but uh, just announced as a um, mass vaccination center. So the bank's going to be reopening yeah. for a good cause. So um, everyone get out there and let's kill COVID. That's a great and also announced as a potential. Uh, it has continued in the race to host World Cup games in 2026. I believe that was that timeline was thrown out there today. So let's get, let's get through. Let's let's get yeah. COVID vaccinations and then five years from now, let's host some World Cup games <laughs> for MT Bank Stadium. Uh, I have personally, I have one honorable mention I'll go through real quick. A lot of people watched the Conor McGregor fight on Saturday. The uh, main standout for me there, Michael Chandler, talk about taking advantage of your opportunity, knockout in his first UFC fight, does an incredible backflip off the octagon, and then cuts a sick promo that's probably going to get him a title shot. That's how you take advantage of being in front of a giant audience. I love that stuff in combat sports. And quickly, uh, and now I have Marty on the show, so I have a little bit more backup. Uh, another crazy week for, for for the Bachelor. I mean, girls, new girls coming in. Uh, and Matt James continues escort to handle services. it. Pretty, yeah, escort services, defamation. It was a hell of an episode. Uh, Matt James continues to handle it with a plum. So props to him. He will continue to get – He will continue. we'll see how that goes, but he will continue to get mentioned as long as he handles it with class. He's doing a nice job so far. And Queen Victoria reigns on. Reigns on. The queen. Long live the queen. <laughs> Right over Banks. Right, that's all we got. That's all we got there. Banks, cool. and, Banks and I very rarely like see eye to eye and agree on things. And <laughs> the like Bachelor, reality TV, the challenge, and things like that are like one thing. Where the like the arms we're brothers and arms. That's so why I need Marty on the show the more. gifts. Oh, <laughs> I have an, all the TV. I, I have an honorable mention. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Aaron Rodgers. I know he just lost an NFC Championship game. But I think that he has played this entire situation from the first round of the draft in April to now like a fiddle. I think he's done a marvelous job of not that his career was like on the downs whatsoever, but he was definitely slighted by the whole move to trade up and take Jordan Love. He went out and had an MVP season and then he made sure the Packers knew that it was nowhere near time to get rid of him. And then after the game ends, by no fault of his, he dangles in front of them and, and makes them sweat and makes them uncomfortable. And I think the GM came out today and, and said something like, yeah, we're not moving on from him or like whatever, tried to throw water on the whole thing. But I think Aaron Rodgers came out this year with a point to prove he's going to win the MVP. And um, he he's kind of laughing his way. I mean, he's already, you know, got all kinds of money and all that stuff, but he's, the proverbial laughing all the way to the bank. I think he just had a phenomenal year and is uh, he proved his point and he's feeling real good about it. Anything from you already to finish it. Any honorable mention, <laughs> not the Orioles right now, based on what you're tweeting. <laughs> no, I, this is yeah. This is Live reaction to the Trey Mancini trade rumors. Not, not good for RDT. <laughs> um, 
I'll I'll give it to to our buddy Jeremy Khan. He hosted a great um, birthday show for Mogaba tonight. Um, really cool show. Trey was on it. Uh, Brandon Hyde, Austin Hayes, John Means, Evan Phillips, um, Adam Jones was calling like from his bed in Japan. He had just woke up. Um, trying to think, a couple other people had called in. Damon Amendolara. Um, it, it was just a really cool, a really nice birthday show for for Mo, who would have turned fifteen today on Tuesday, the 26th. Um, and Jer- I mean, Jeremy's just been a tank through the whole thing. And he said he was in like a dentist chair for like six hours a day, didn't eat anything, came right home and did a three hour radio show. So shout out to him. I'm sure we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to have him on again. And, uh, but he, yeah, he's my, uh, he's my honorable mention. Yeah. That's a good I, one. I also just want to say the quarterback carousel as a whole, it's going to be so oh, much fun. It's going to be great. This it's gonna is going to be, so be the fun. best off season in NFL history. And we're coming off of the Tom Brady offseason, too. With the uh, the Kuiper mock draft that just came out that has just so many shenanigans with the quarterbacks. Zach, Zach Wilson <laughs> to Atlanta, Justin Fields to Detroit, Trey Lance to Carolina, and they're going to give up on Teddy Bridgewater, by the way. That thing is over. <laughs> that he – see ya. Sorry, Teddy. He seems like a great guy. Mac Jones to the Patriots. Uh, just, some, just some fun, fun stuff. Uh, for whatever it's worth – uh, he has the Ravens taking the wide receiver from LSU, Terrence Marshall. So that's Mel, Baltimore Mel. Um, we have him on the pod before the draft. Baltimore guy, Calvert Hall guy, shout out. Um, no questions from the mailbag this week. The list is retired until further notice, probably when that extension gets brought back up. And then I'm sure the takes will be flying once Lamar Jackson gets like $37 million a year. Um, so that's enough for our show. As we said, continue as you go through, send, um, receipts in for the be there for be more campaign um we are continuing to give things away uh, rdt what do you still have to give away do you want to do you want to update oh we got so so there was an update with the rod langway jersey too the guy who won the rod langway jersey was one of the winners earlier and who had he had said when he won he wanted to i think he won the stover jersey and he said i'm gonna give this to the first person to donate a hundred dollars or more which someone did that within like minutes. So he either said he wants to donate that to a children's charity fund, something like that. Or again, if someone wants to bid or not bid, if someone wants to tip, leave a tip of a hundred dollars or more, the, the Rod Langway Jersey puck is theirs. So I, I, I have to tweet that out. Um, I have an Adley Rutschman signed hat. We have an Adelius Thomas signed jersey. We have a Dwayne Stark signed jersey. We have a bunch of the Moe's Rose shirts, a bunch of the Moe's Strong shirts. Um, a lot of the the cool paintings and um, – not paintings, uh, pictures. Yep. We still have like a nicely framed Ed Reed one. Um, I think a few there, – there's a few other like small knickknacks and stuff like that that, again, I can, Earl Weaver signed ball, Manny Machado – or what is it um, – um, what's it? Brooks Robinson, um, bobblehead, Manny Machado starting lineup figurine and things like that, that we can package together with some of the other stuff. But yeah, let's, um, I mean, we're still keeping it going. We're still getting, um, we're still getting these, uh, the, the entries, Willie Sneed signed picture. I have that too. And then I think banks has some things as well. Yeah. Including a Wolfpack autograph football that I am thinking I'm going to do a drawing for late this week. So um, I would be doing the drawing now, but I'd, I'd like to give people an opportunity to make some more entries because, you know, the prizes are supposed to be incentives. So um, if I'm announcing that we're going to do a drawing for Wolfpack Autograph Football, I'd like to give the opportunity for people to support more bars first. So, um, you know, 
keep the receipts coming. And shout out once again to our friends at Jimmy's $256,000 raised for, uh, it's more. I thought they were up higher. Yeah. Oh, I was just reading off the screenshot they just put up. So it's like 300 K like just oh, south of it. I don't want to misrep. Let me find the link. I should have had that in front of me. I just tried to kind of just make sure I, I was seeing it. Uh, 294. Yeah. Uh, on the, uh, the GoFundMe here. So an amazing job by our, uh, by our sponsor of the show, continuing to help uh, and friends of the show continuing to help Baltimore restaurants and bars, some really just tremendous stuff. Um, and uh, so between that and what the, what the Barstool fund has done for some of the Baltimore restaurants and between restaurants now being opened back up as the mayor did, um, hopefully we can keep a lot of these places around you know, through the general effort, people helping people. That is the show uh, for this week. Make sure to jump on to, iTunes, Spotify, whatever, uh, five-star review and, and, and rating that stuff always helps us out. Make sure to follow the podcast at exit 52 podcast on Twitter at exit 52 podcast on Instagram. You can follow all three of these fantastic gentlemen on the podcast with me this week. You can follow banks at barstool banks. You can follow RDT at E D I T T I 22. Ooh, I, I almost flubbed at that time. I gotten so much rhythm RDT saying your, um, saying your Twitter handle and you can follow Marty at Marty McFly 34. You can follow me at Taylor Smythe 10. Uh, appreciate all of the support and we will see you next time on the X 52 podcast presented by Jimmy seafood.